welcome to Gutsy Matters Podcast, brought to you by storednaturally.com. I'm Wendy Allen. And I'm Helen Reynolds. Gutsy Matters Podcast is for independent thinkers who aren't afraid to stand out from the crowd. Our conversations are with people who, like us, are willing to create something they believe in, something that helps us all to live more sustainably, more consciously and with greater connection. We're delighted you're joining us to discover, uncover and create opportunities and perspectives about health, wealth and sustainable living. Welcome back to the Gutsy Matters podcast, Jeff Schultes. Hello, hello, welcome. <laughs> You've been here before talking about Apple, which was the whole apple in a bottle drink thought that you um, helped the Savio family create. So now we're here to talk about your own product and your own business, Darling Fresh Smokehouse. Exactly. I've, I've doubled down on Gutsy. and I think it matters so (laughs) so yes in the meantime since we've launched that product and it's still going well in market I've um I've I've in the behind the scenes been developing my own range of products and um and yeah we decided late last year to commercialize and and go for it and uh and this year we've launched so yeah really exciting that's great I've gobbled up lots of your product (laughs) thank you you've been a great great market tester I've been a market tester (laughs) So I know that they're delicious and you know that I'm a big fan, but I actually don't know the backstory. How did you come to be smoking foods and bringing them to market? Well, I've got a long history in the food industry uh, as, as a food technologist background and I've been involved in food production for a long time. My father I owned a food business up until a couple of years ago, which I sort of grew up in as it was. And then professionally later on, I went out of the world and got some skills and went back and then worked for him professionally for, for a number of years before I moved up to Brisbane and uh, up to Toowoomba. Uh, and so I've got a little bit of that sort of food production in my in my blood, in my heritage. And, you know, I used to work there when I was a kid and my, my daughters are, are of an age where, you know, I wouldn't mind if they wanted to come and work with, work, work with me on, on school holidays and those sort of things. So I've always had a bit of a passion for food production. It's what I do professionally. But um, lately, I've become a food consultant in the last two and a half years, and that's, that's hence the, the project with Apple. And, uh, and as I've been doing that, I've really been thinking, gosh, it'd be nice to start something up of my own at some point. And so a few years ago, a number of years ago now, I bought a smoker. Uh, and I think a lot of, a lot of people, smoking, is, smoking foods and meats is, is, is quite interesting these days, and it's a growing trend. There's a lot more interest in it. There's a lot more smoking restaurants and, and, and venues popping up where they've got big smokers and the American barbecue thing is really quite a trend. Uh, and so I was getting into that just, just on the weekends with friends, you know, uh, and cooking up for them. And I started working out, look, I, I think there's a way of commercialising these products to have ready in a retail format, pack format. They're the sort of foods that you pretty much have to eat as they're cooked. And so I, I wanted to give people options to have that in their fridge and get ready to, to reheat and eat in 10 minutes just to get that, that style and quality of product, but very conveniently at home. Uh, and so as I sort of moved through that and did some R&D and some testing and lots and lots of iterations, I ended up coming out with a range of products I actually thought were pretty desirable for a number of reasons. But, but then uh, during COVID, a lot of people were doing home-prepared stuff. And so late last year, we really looked at that and went, you know what, this is kind of bang on trend. Let's just go. So... So we did. So what do you mean people during COVID were doing home-cooked stuff? Because I, 
I kind of thought that maybe during COVID with more people at home and more time to prepare food from scratch that it might not be as good for a business that's pre-preparing food. Yeah, well, I mean, if the explosion in the supermarket, all you've got to do is walk down the supermarket aisle on the freezer aisle and you see an absolute plethora of pre-packaged, pre-processed, semi, semi-cooked, ready to... It's not, it's not, I don't call it cooking, I call it food preparation. Because really, you're opening packets, you're doing, it's like the Marley Spoon concept as well, where they give you your ingredients. You're actually doing the put together. And yeah, you're, you might be cooking a steak or doing you know, some certain things, but chopping some veggies. But you're still relying on someone else to get you to a certain point. You're not doing everything from scratch. Mm-hmm. And that has exploded during COVID. Uh, and that's been something that, that a lot of people you know, stuck at home or, or not as easy able to go out to a cafe or a restaurant all of a sudden they're like, okay, well, let's put some time and energy into to something nice at home and they're looking for other interesting options. So one of the main three things that I'm targeting with this, this product in this range is 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 that convenience uh, of, of just being able to walk into the kitchen and go, right, I'm going to have pulled pork burgers in 10 minutes and I've already got the rolls and I've got salad and I've got all the stuff and I'm just going to pop this thing in the microwave or, or, or heat it up in hot water on the stove and it's done. Uh, so that's... That's that convenience thing that I'm, I want to tap into. The other thing is really the smoked foods. It's not actually available, so it's a bit unique. It's not something that people can just at home go, oh, I'll have brisket tonight and not have to buy a seven-kilo brisket, spend 14 hours smoking it. You know, it's, it's just it's, – it's like that. And then the other part of that, the, the trends there were, were being all natural. So I've taken care – I mean, when you smoke at home – and you get a brisket, you put some spices on it, you might inject it with some apple juice. That's what I do, but you might do whatever you do to it. It's typically a natural process, and they're only using kitchen ingredients. And then when the food is ready, you eat it. You don't need to preserve it. You don't need to hold it for weeks and weeks uh, because of a you know a commercial supply chain. And so I've taken that sense into these products. You know, The smoked mushrooms, for example, I've put a rub on them, um, but it's just kitchen spices. That's all it is. So they're smoked, they're, they're packaged, and then I do a post-pack pasteurization, which means I get shelf life, but they're all, they're still all natural. So I'm not using preservatives, you know, colors and flavors, liquid smoke, acidity regulators, you know, nitrates, thickeners, starches, gums, you name it. If you look at a lot of the commercial small goods type product in the supermarket, they're just full of crap. <laughs> and, and I'm a food tech and I've got to Google half the stuff that's on some of those packs because I just don't know all those numbers. But And there is a trend in that industry to go nitrate-free and, and numbers-free, which is great, but I'm, I'm really at the front of that with, with being all natural. And I think that's a really key point because so many things that you look on on a supermarket shelf, if you actually care to turn it over and look Absolutely. at the ingredients, the list is as long as your arm to start yep. with. Yep. And often it's, even though it might say whatever it is, say for instance it's corn, Corn yeah. may not be the top ingredient, the first ingredient, yeah. and then that's the key to yeah. what the most of. And then, as you say, you read down and all these things that, that really don't make any sense, yep. words that you really don't know, and I'm sure they um, find the most obscure word to cover whatever it is, and then the numbers. And, and I mean, I know lots of people say don't buy anything that's got numbers on it because it's all sorts of bad things in there. Hopefully people are starting to take notice of that and yeah. going back to that simple ingredients in, and that there are no added preservatives and added who knows what that, that nobody really understands because you, you, you need to know what you're putting into your body. Totally. that's and, and it is a growing trend and it's been a trend for a while actually. 
they, they call it clean ingredient deck. And, and I'm, my, my phrase that I'm using is 100% kitchen ingredients. So it's, it's, it's not really using anything other than that you wouldn't find in your kitchen cupboard and what you'd normally use to cook. Uh, and it is absolute trend. I mean, all the guys in Nestle and Unilever and all the big food companies in the world, they're all trying to get their ingredient declarations clean. Mm-hmm. And clean means words that people understand yes. and not numbers. So, yeah, and, and so I'm quite proud of that. So that's been, that's been the third thing that I'm, I'm really pushing is that they're really like they have just been pro- – I mean, I'm using heat. So I'm vac packing the products after I've processed them. Vacuum packing. Vacuum packing. Sorry, <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. Cryovac, other people say, uh, which is a brand. But um, yeah, so then then doing a hot water treatment in it for time. So I'm giving it a, a microbiological kill, and that's why I'm getting shelf life. And I've incorporated that into the cook. You know, these products are quite un- unique and innovative. It's a combination of processes that I've used to deliver a product that you just pull out of the bag and serve. Uh, there are products out there, you know, you can get a you know, pork shoulder or a brisket but you, and you can heat it up and do a similar thing to what I'm doing, but then you've still got to slice it and you've got to pull it and you've got to do all those things. This is just open the bag and serve. So that's that's that convenience factor, uh, which is working for people. It's been in market for a while now and it's going actually going quite well. Excellent. Mm. So when you say, yeah, it's quick and convenient in your heat, you mentioned microwave, which... I know a lot of people have an aversion to, and yep. I don't like using the microwave unless I really, really have to. So what are the other ways that they can heat it? Do they have to heat it in the bag it comes with, or no, can you No, you don't, because, again, some people don't. They're, they're food-safe bags, and they're designed for that purpose. But, yeah, a lot of people don't like heating in plastic and mm-hmm. totally respect that. So the other two main ways, if you if you want to heat it in hot water, not the microwave, and in the bag, then you put it in cold water just like a, um, uh, like a, a potato and then just bring that up to a, a simmer and then let that heat come through the packet, and then you open up the packet and serve it. But if you don't want to do that, there's a number of ways you can take it out. And this is good. Most of the pouches are actually for four people. So if you're only feeding two, it's easy to take half of it out, put the rest in the fridge or the freezer. They freeze very well. You can put it in a, in a microwave container and microwave it, but if you don't want to do that, you can put it in a stove, small pan, a bit of extra water because we don't want it, the water to escape and just give it a slow slow cook. Uh, and so, yeah, you just, you're basically steaming it. Yep. Yep. It doesn't need to be cooked. It only needs to be reheated. Good to clarify that for listeners to understand because, yeah, there are different ways of thinking with different people in terms of heating food. So, no, that's good. So just going back to that question of why. So there's there's layers of why. There's always layers of why. Because you and, really view yeah. food from a different lens, don't you? Yeah, yeah, like being the food technologist, you're, you're looking and you're handled like – you live food differently to the way yep. I live food. Yeah, that's that's it's, it's a total experience. And you, you, whenever whenever a new product comes out, you're always just sitting there going, "How, how do they do that? Why do they do it that way?" You know, a lot of people just eat it and go, "That was yum." <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, so that's what I do with your product. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then I start asking you all these questions. Yeah. So, in terms of actually deciding to launch something, go go for it commercially. One of the things that we want, it's got to be unique. And so I've, I think I've already gone through a, a fair bit of why it is unique. But also it's not easy to do. Um, it's a very involved process. So let's, you know, if we walk through, let's say our, our, our mushrooms, our smoked mushrooms, fresh mushrooms, put a, give them a good wash, um, you know, put, put the rub on it, lay it on a tray, put it in the smoker. There's a big commercial smoker, which is wood smoke. We, we use beech wood. Uh, then it's got to, that's a time in the oven. It's got to come out in the smoker. Uh, it then has to be packed off and vacuum packed and sealed. Then that has to go into the water bath, which is the CV control step. 
then that has to come out. It has to go into a cooling bath to cool down. Then it goes and dries off in a cold room and then it comes out, gets labelled again, then it gets packed off. So it's not like I'm just grabbing mushrooms and putting them in a bag and selling them. It's a very involved process and all the different products that we've got in the range have a different sequence of events and different injections, you know, seasonings, rubs, all different things go on. So it's actually not very easy to do, especially not at scale. So I think it's one of those things that the barrier to entry of competitors. So you're I, a high achiever. Well, you, you could put it that way. I, you could also say that I just work really hard. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, you do want to do something that's not easily replicable. Uh, and so... I think the reason these products aren't out there now is because they are hard to do and I've worked out how to do it. But also I don't think they're easy to to invent and then do at scale. So you, I'm not worried about one of the massive players in the market going, oh, what a great idea. I'm going to copy that and sell it for 40% less price because they've got economies of scale and I'm just me at this stage. So we were looking for that as well. So even though it's it's hard and difficult, sometimes to be unique and to be different in business is your is your asset and it's the reason why you can charge what you need to charge to survive because it does things for people that they can't get from other products and so that's when we were designing the products and what they do for people you know you've got to match that up with the price point that people are prepared to pay Uh, so that was that was one of those little tricks to work out before we decided to go for it i don't know much about smoking foods in general i would never buy a smoker to have at home but So just give me a brief summary of smoking foods. Probably the first thing to say is that there's just about a billion variables. And and there really is. I mean, when you look at meat, I mean, if, if let's say you go to the shop and you buy rump steak, right, or, or whatever it is, chicken wing, it's not always the same. The chicken's different. The, the beef's different. It's, it's you, you never get 100% consistent products. So if you're smoking mushrooms, like, for example, today I bought mushrooms and they're big and chunky and tall. Last week they were fat and, and, and thin. And I, I don't actually control that because I, t- I buy them from the fresh markets and you buy what there is. So, you know, until I get to the scale where I have a spec, my own spec and people are making, you know, tons and tons of mushrooms to my spec, uh, that you take what you can get. And, and when you're smoking products and foods, meats and, and, and vegetables, that's the first variable is in the raw materials. So you can control um, your, your kitchen spices, very consistent, everything. But the main product, and because I don't put anything else in it, so I'm not putting stabilizers in. I'm not. I'm not. I don't have all these other things that big commercial players have to normalize a variable in in your raw material, and that's the reason why a lot of those companies have that stuff in, is because they don't always get, you know, the same flour, the same wheat, the same. They've got to make the same product, and and they use those things to tweak. Um, so I, I've got very little tweakability. You know, my my pulled pork is pork, apple juice, and 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 spices. So if the pork's a little bit different than it was last week, then you know, you'll see that come through the product. And when you're smoking, uh, so, so really it's typically the main factors in smoking, uh, the three factors are time and temperature and then degree of smoke or type of smoke. So time and temperature is pretty easy. It's like you're doing a roast chook in the oven, you get that right, everyone gets that, that's how you cook. But then the environment that you're smoking in is very different as well. You can have water pans, you can have a humid um, environment which cooks differently to a dry environment. And when you've got smokers that pull through heat off a fire, then it's actually quite difficult to control that moisture content in the oven. Then you've also got the type of smoke. So you probably all heard about the type of wood. Different woods give off different smokes. Um, when I did all my R&D you know, in my backyard smoker, I use iron bark because that's what I use my pizza oven and it's not a bad smoke. Uh, it can be quite a strong smoke. And 
that's another another factor that we've considered is the degree of smokiness. So let's say someone's interested in smoked foods. Like, oh, yeah, I like smoked foods. Okay, how often do you want to eat smoked foods? Because that's an absolute factor. Uh, our pouches, I'd love every family in Australia to have one of these in their fridge at any time and pull one out on Thursday night, netball night, or you know, Friday night, movie night. You know, no one wants to spend a lot of time in the kitchen. Let's just get in, get some good food out and sit down. But are they going to do that if it's really smoky? And the answer is probably not. Because once you've had your smoke fix, you're not going to eat. You, you won't go back again for weeks, months. So we've deliberately pulled that back and we're using beech wood in the, uh, in the smoker. But yeah, different wood types, that's another variable. It produces different flavours, sweeter flavours, milder flavours, stronger flavours. When you're wood smoking as well, there's good smoke and there's bad smoke. Uh, I guess you've all been around a campfire. The best fire is when it's burning nice and hot and, and it's, a, it's an almost a clear smoke that goes straight up. They call that blue smoke. And that's, that's the best smoke to use because it's not acrid. So when, when you've got bits of logs sticking out of the fire and they're producing that white, thick, we call it acrid smoke, you don't want that. That just permeates your food. It gives you that bitter, acrid taste. And so if you're smoking in a unit, you really want to be making sure you don't have that kind of fire. You want good, nice, blue, clean smoke, and that, that really flavours the, the food well but doesn't overdo it. If you smoke a brisket for 14 hours with acrid smoke, that thing's going to be toxic by the time you're done. So, you know, so you've got to think about that as well. So um, in the commercial smoker that I'm using, there's, there's settings for how much smoke and, and, and then the type of wood's important as well. So the beechwood, how yep. readily available is the beechwood to actually get for the smoker? Is that a, is that a difficult thing as <clears throat> no, well? No, it's not. It's not like you know, the maple and the hickory and the, the apple wood. Those things are a bit rare and you can get small packets of them from Bunnings and smoker shops and all the rest of it. But yeah, in the quantities that I'm using, it, it's, it's, you know. But the beechwood is already being used by butchers all over the country because that's mainly the, the type of wood that they're using for hams and bacons. Okay. So the, now the hams and bacons are cured, so not all the flavour that you get comes from the smoke, but it, the, the beech wood just gives you a nice, mellow, fairly sweet smoke, but it's not in your face. This is smoked food, you know, <laughs> and, and I didn't want that, you know. We're a smoked product and we're a smoked brand, uh, and that's clear in our branding, but we also just don't want to be, you know, because not everybody in the family loves heavy smoke either so you might have dad and mum are into it but little little joey who's seven years old is like eh, he doesn't want to eat it or mum doesn't like it and in, in in this case with these products if mum doesn't like it typically we don't do well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know we, we're really our, our target market is really the meal preparer uh, and to a degree the time poor meal preparer who's looking for something that's interesting and different but not unhealthy and that's our little combination Absolutely. of features that, that we believe makes our, our, our things unique. So you've talked about the process that you go through and, and yep. all of those things, which is really, really interesting. So for anybody listening that thinks they've got a food product that they want to take to market yep. or would like to take to market, what would your advice to anybody doing that and how difficult is it and maybe what are some of the steps without letting out too many secrets? Sure. Well, I guess the first thing is always, is, is there a need for your product? Yeah, are, are you going to be able to sell it? And, and is, it, is it interesting or different enough to grab people's attention? Because that's really the first thing. Uh, I think last time with Xavier, I spoke about the two whys. The first why is why are you doing it? Because it's really hard and it's a lot of effort. You know, I'm two months into launch now and we're going pretty hard. I mean, it's going well, but there's a million things to do all the time. 
So the why has got to be pretty strong to get through that. But the second why is why do people going to care about your product? So, you know, I've spoken to many people who go, I've got a fantastic bolognese sauce. Okay. There's a lot of bolognese sauces out there. Why would people buy yours? And where would you sell it so that they would buy it? Because then scale up comes in and, and costs. So can I make this en masse? You know, at what point am I going to hit break even? Because you're not starting up a food business. I just, I just can't see anyone starting up a food business and, and making profit. Anyone who has to handle and process foods and need a facility with, I've got safe food accreditation. You know, there's a lot involved in it. You've got to invest in all of that. There's a break even point. That's that's volume specific. So you've got to move volume. You're going to be, you've got to be able to sell volume, but you've got to also be able to make volume. And how you're going to go about making it. So thinking about the operations of a food manufacturer as well. That's probably your two main things. So, oh, then your messaging. So here's where um, I've, I've had a little bit of a learning curve. Actually, I've had a learning curve in two spaces. The first one is in the brand messaging and being effective with communicating what your product is and how you go about it. And I'm starting to work with a brand agency actually in terms of fine-tuning now that I've been in market for a while, you know, reassess it, what's working, what's not working. And uh, one of the uh, little conclusions that we've come to is that I was a bit too close to the product and I haven't been as clear as I, I probably should be in my messaging. So that's something that, you know, it's easy for a founder or someone who's got the idea to just be really close to it and just think what they're doing is, is, is friggin' awesome. And it might be, might not be, but you've got to test it, validate it and get other people to cross-check it. I, I probably, you know, I, I would have done that a bit more. The other part is I always knew social media and social presence was going to be big for this business and I thought I'd have a chop and it's been a learning curve. It's harder than I thought. And so now I'm trying to get other people to come in. I'm learning at a rate of knots, but, you know, my history, as you know, has been largely technical, operational. So this is a part, this marketing, branding side of the business, which I've always been involved with and I've helped people with from from the operational point of view. Uh, it's something that, that I'd recommend people get really into that if they're looking at, at an idea, particularly when, when some of your channels are online channels and how do people find you. Because really that's where people get found and that's where people get referenced and referred and, and you build up that, that pull, that market pull. Uh, so that's another little recommendation for people is to get social online savvy and do it the earlier the better <laughs> because often you've only got one chance or limited chances of attention uh, and, and if you burn it in the first one, then it's, it's hard to claw back. Yeah, and that's not rocket science. We all know that. And the difficult thing is with, with social media that the algorithms are changing, yep. well, probably nearly every week. Yep. And you just have to keep on top of it. You know, you might learn how to do one thing. A couple of weeks later, it's changed and that's you just right. have to keep on, on top of it. And it is difficult. Yeah. And the other thing, I guess, with the, with the food product, if you've got limited distribution. So at the moment, I'm in Toowoomba. We've got four new retailers that have just come on board in Brisbane. So we're looking to really support those guys and get people going to those stores. But, you know, I, I can't go and put broadcast advertising out on social media that isn't, you know, geography limited. Mm. You know, I've got contacts in, in, in Sydney and Melbourne and people that are on my, in my network and they don't have access to the product. And some of them are quite annoyed about it, actually. <laughs> so, you know, that's another thing to be careful of as well. Is where's your distribution geographically? How far can you go? Uh, and then that affects your advertising and promotional strategies because there's no point in promoting it where people can't, can't get it. And scaling up a product that you have made in an initial batch or, or you know, a home sort of batch, I guess, um, that's the difficulty. And I know other 
food process, yeah. people have said, you know, you might make it and like you were talking about the bolognese sauce, it might be, you know, grandma's bolognese sauce recipe, which is fantastic. But then if you multiply that to make quantity, it actually doesn't necessarily always turn out the same when you yeah. multiply it in scale. And, Absolutely. And the same Very with, true in food. Yeah. And the same with the distribution. I mean, you know, you've got to start small because you've got to get those distribution channels and, and that's really hard. And with a product that has to be kept at a certain temperature, as in cold, it is difficult because it's not like you can just put them in a box in the post or transport and ship it off there. There's a whole complexity of, of other right. factors that you've got to take into. That, um, that's right. Yeah, and so it's not, it's not an easy – I mean, people might think, oh, yeah, you just make that, you sell it in the shop. Mm, Make yeah. more of it. Yeah, no, it's, it's not like not bag, bagging off lollies. Um, like, mm. you know, bolognese, for example, I mean, it's a good example. You know, you 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 do a pot in the stove. You know, it'll cool by itself. You're putting it into a, in a container in the fridge. You're probably happy with that. You make a 500 kilo batch. Those I call them thermal gymnastics. There's, there'll be heating requirements and there'll be cooling requirements. And these are these are mandated in the Food Standards Code. You don't even, you don't, you don't get to choose this. You have to do it a certain way to minimise the risk of things growing and and you know botulism and all that. So. Yeah, if, if you're making a 500 kilo batch, you have to pack that off, you have to cool it, you know, and these are big logistical challenges. And then if you buy something that can make a 500 kilo batch, well then how, how often are you going to make a 500 kilo batch and what's your shelf life? So, you know, shelf life is a really important thing to manage uh, because, you know, most retailers don't want to get it with a couple of days to sell it. They don't want to have to discount at the end. That's risk to them if they don't move it or they have to dump it. Or they're going to return it back to you and you've got to wear the cost of everything or you've got to exchange it. So all these things, if, if you can't pull it through that store in a reasonable amount of time, uh, yeah, so, so shelf life is a big deal. And a lot of products have very short shelf life, you know, 10 days. 10 days is not a lot of time to make it, distribute it, sell it, order more. You know? So it's all, all things to think about. And it's, it's more than the 10 days because, I mean, for that, because it's then the customer has to have it. Yep. And have enough time to use it. If it's only a ten day shelf life from being made to when it needs yes. to be consumed, that's not very long to do all of those Absolutely. things that you just talked about, is Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, people don't want to be forced to use something. So let's clarify just a couple of things because we've got listeners all over the place. Um, you currently do sell through your website and you do currently yes. ship yes. from those orders. So we've got uh, it's, it's South East Queensland, but not limited to that. So we, we're based in Toowoomba, so Toowoomba's, Toowoomba's hometown, so that's easy. Uh, we go from the Sunshine Coast uh, in Queensland down to about Byron Bay. So we're going with one of the refrigerated courier groups that does some of the home meal deliveries. Uh, and so they run around in refrigerated utes. Um, I get down to their depot in Brisbane on a Monday. So we cut off orders on a Thursday. Uh, I'll, I'll pack them and prepare them over the weekend. And we've got insulated boxes. It's all recyclable, actually, wool pack products, which are great. So B-grade wool uh, in cartons. So we're not using polystyrene, minimal plastic. So we are, yeah, able to ship and drop off to the doors. And I've validated our temperatures to, to remain under five degrees for that length of delivery. And then also being on, on someone's porch in direct sun for about, you know, sort of eight, nine, nine hours, ten hours I can get as well. So we are freezing some of the pouches for that. We don't freeze the mushrooms. But we do have uh, we do freeze them and we do ice packs as well because the products are very freezable. And just to clarify, you know, some of our listeners who may have listened to all of our episodes know that I tend to stick to a vegan lifestyle, and I'm the one who introduced you and mm. said I love your product. So you do do plant based products, which is quite unusual. It in is. The uh, so 
when I was, you know, feeding families, because we, we love having families around, kids in the yard, and, and when you're doing a big smoker, you know, you're cooking a lot of stuff, you want a lot of people to eat it, uh, and it's good fun. But um, I always did veggies. I was always doing corn, you know, you're always doing, you know, mushrooms were always great. And so, you know, when I was looking at commercialising products, you know, uh, there aren't that many of the smoked meats available that I'm doing, but there are no smoked vegetables available. Like, period. I, I haven't seen one. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. But, and then maybe there will be one. Maybe there'll be another one soon. But, um, you know, it, it just wasn't something that people did. So, uh, and a lot of people do it. You know, there's a lot of sides. In the, in US barbecue culture, there's heaps of sides that they do, mac and cheese and all sorts of things. So it's very doable. Uh, but in, in Australia, there was just nothing there. And, and, and I'm a bit pro-choice. I mean, if, if, if you want to eat something and I can make it, I'll make it for you. It doesn't bother me at all. So, so the smoked mushrooms were easy because I was already doing them. Uh, and then my wife at the time, she said, um, I used to just put salt and pepper on them. And then she said, oh, well, you put all these rubs on everything else you do. Because uh, I take a lot of time with my rubs. Um, <laughs> yeah, she wanted to put a rub on the mushrooms. So I tried it and it was great. So really interesting flavors, you know, smoked barbecue style, style uh, mushrooms. And, and they're really great on burgers and people are slicing them into risottos and on pizzas and in salads. and all. So it's not just a vegetarian product. Or a meat replacement. It's it's you know, we were at a farm fest and everyone was like, oh, I'll chop them up and put them on my steak. You know, it's it's great. So it, it's a versatile product, but it's definitely plant based and is vegan. Uh, and the other ones, I am um, I'm calling it smoked plant, but I'm about to rename it. It's not quite descriptive enough. What it is is it's pulled shiitake mushroom, uh, and it's then it clumped up into clusters, and then I've put barbecue sauce on it and smoked it. So it's it's an existing product in, mar- in market called Fable, uh, and that is a, a vegan. A plant-based product, which is and then the texture is a very meaty bite, nice and chewy. It's it's got a lot of lot of body to it, uh, and so I, I started trying to invent one of those things myself, playing around with jackfruit and all that sort of stuff. And I just it got pretty wild. Uh, I found this product. <laughs> well, it's again difficult jackfruit, seasonal. You know, it, it's you know, it's your spaghetti squash again, great product, very seasonal. I'd yeah. forgotten about that. I remember t- taste testing some yeah. of that a while back. Back in the early days, yeah. exactly. You know, I was mucking around with that a fair bit. But then I found this product, just went, you know what, stuff it. It's a great product. <laughs> Let's just put barbecue sauce on it and smoke it. <laughs> and they love it. So the Fable guys are really good. They've been tagging me on, on their social media posts and it's been it's been really good. So I rang them up and you know, had, to, had to talk about it. They've got some real mushroom experts in there. Uh, and so that's been really good. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that product is is excellent. Again, your burgers, wraps and tacos, all that sort of stuff. Fable and Australian. It's an Australian business, yes. Yeah, they're based in Australia. They're based in Sunshine Coast, actually. Isn't that awesome? So not only have you created a unique product, you've also created a, like a, you know, a commercial collaboration. Yep, yep. Well, they were really happy and they were really helpful as well. And, you know, I just wanted to get my messaging clear when I was referencing them because I've got links to their, their business on my website because I'm, you know, uh, one of the, I mean, one of the things on the front of the pack is it's honestly delicious, and I really wanted this brand and this company. It's just honest. It's like you know, reflects yourself to a degree, but just what you see is what you get. I'm not going to hide anything. It's a great product, and I'm using it, and it's you know, yeah, enjoy. <laughs> and I love one of the others. Was it naturally naked? Is yeah, that yeah? Yeah, we were having a giggle about that before the yeah. podcast, and I, I really love that because it says what it is, which is which is really good, and and. When you have some of those that are a bit out there, I guess, in terms of a, a tagline, people remember it. It is a bit out there. I think it's great. 
well, we're doing a bit of a messaging audit with a new branding agency I'm working with next next week, and we're, we're going to assess it, and it'll be interesting to see if that gets the thumbs up or the thumbs down. But where it came from, Naturally Naked, was that I'm using vacuum pack bags, and so the, the back is black and the front is clear. So you can see all of the product in all its glory. And, and actually, when it's not hot, it looks different. When it's heated up, the fats look different, the product looks different, and it looks much better on a plate when it's hot. But... I said, look, I can't really hide this. I don't actually want to hide it. This is what it is. It's it's all natural. It hasn't got any crap in it. This is what it is. And so I just came up with naturally naked. Yeah, love it. Um, love it. A bit striking. <laughs> <laughs> a few people actually think that's the brand. It's like, no, that's not the brand. That's just, a, that's just an attention grabber to get you to look at it twice. <laughs> well, I think it's really nice. You know, the concept of it being an honest brand and a fun brand, a delicious brand. So we should... Remember the brand, Darling Fresh Smokehouse. Yeah, Smokehouse. And the house is with a H-A-U-S. So I didn't realise how annoying that was going to be to try and explain to people all the time, especially mm-hmm. when they're Googling it. Yes. So if people are Googling, Googling Smokehouse, you wouldn't go and throw the German spelling in, but it's a bit of throwback to my Swiss heritage. So And Darling Fresh is, you know, the region is Darling Downs, So and, and my consulting business is Darling Fresh Consulting. So I thought I'd, I thought I'd, I'd do it there. So it's Darling Fresh Smokehouse. On, online, though, and on, on uh, Facebook and on Instagram, it's DF Smokehouse. So everyone just has to remember the house is H-A-U-S, not like the building yes, house. That's right. Spelt in English, yes. Just to finish off with, where to from here? Got to consolidate and then just keep pushing. So, so the plan is, at the moment, it's just me. So what I'm doing is we've got basically four Toowoomba retailers, you know, home turf, Done that well. Still doing online sales, so we're still pushing out orders. But uh, in terms of um, retailers, I've gone into Brisbane now. We've got four retailers. They're excellent. We've got two on the north side, two on the south side. We're starting to do taste tests there. Taste tests work really well because people get to try. I mean, everyone knows. You put food in people's mouths, and if it's good food, they love it. And then you say, oh, yeah, this is ready in five minutes, and they, they pour me at the pack. and Or they try and buy them out of my display fridge. They go, I'll have two of them. you know. And it's, it's really the, the conversion rate once people are exposed to it is very high. So... At the moment, so I'm doing that Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays. So it's, it's working around the clock at the moment. But that's, I think, what you've got to do to help start build that critical mass uh, and gain the followers and, 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 and have a lot of people liking you, which then creates its own, own momentum. So that's my next push. I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to think about bringing someone on part-time to do help with the factory processing. So that's something that, that we'll need to do at some point because then I'd probably prefer to stay more in front of their customers dealing with sales we're looking at catering options at the moment there's a few projects going on in Toowoomba at the moment where we're looking at these products being used in a catering sense and they really they are ideal for food service as well I mean you know you'll get five six burgers out of a pack of pulled pork so if you're a smaller restaurant or a cafe and you, you want to serve a pulled pork burger but you don't want to have all an all-natural pulled pork burger yeah so there's those channels as well so that's really our next moves. Uh, we're not looking at new products yet, but there are some in the pipeline. Uh, I think we've just got to consolidate what we've done. Yeah, reevaluate our messaging and our branding and our communications. I think that's that's on the agenda as well for now. But you know, you'll always find something new to do. Uh, there's there's plenty of things on the list. You just got to work out what you want to hit first. <laughs> Absolutely, the to do list is always long that's and right. continues to be added to. What I'd say to everyone is watch this space. And go and go and try some to start with, and buy some. But watch this space for for what happens down the track in terms of more products and Absolutely. and what you're doing, and and more outlets that will be selling it as well. So all of our outlets are on the website. So 
dfsmokehouse.com.au. Got our retails there, and then the whole thing is an online store. So, not uh, obviously, we've got nine products, and, and most retailers carry two to three, some carry four. So, a lot of the products aren't available in every retailer. So, if you're not sure about that, message me on social media or something. I can, I can let you know what's where if you're chasing a particular product. Uh, but if you order online, you, you can pick any of them. So do you just want to list what the, the nine products are, just so listeners okay. understand yeah. that there's not just the mushrooms and the and the pulled pork that we've been talking about? Yeah, so there's beef brisket. So we've actually cooked brisket pre-cooked and it's pre-sliced, ready to go. So in six minutes in a microwave and a bit longer in a pot of water, you've got brisket burgers for dinner. So that's it. We've got the pulled pork and we've got pork belly bits as well. So little tasty barbecue soft, succulent little bits of pork. Uh, we've got a few chicken products. We've got the pulled chicken. Um, which is doing quite well. We've got chicken thigh fillets, which is smoked thigh fillets, and then they're sliced, so ideal for salads and wraps and those things. Uh, we've then got two sets of chicken wings, just some regular smoked wings, and then some spicy spicy jerk chicken wings, which is a Jamaican spice. It's got 14 spices in it. It's pretty crazy. It's a bit hot, but it's very nice. Uh, and then we've got the two plant-based ones. So we've got the smoked mushroom, and we've got the smoked plant, soon to be called pulled shiitake mushroom clusters, something like that. We'll come up with something shortly. But they're the nine products, and, and so yeah, we, we think about a few others, but uh, and they may not all survive. You know, you launch with what you think will work, and then the public tells you what works. Oh, I really appreciate you coming and telling us all about how you started, why you started, the range of products, the detail involved. It's re- been really interesting. I didn't know how much went into it, and but I know how good it tastes, <laughs> which to me is the most important part. As you know, that's my my end of your product. <laughs> that's all that matters, really, is is is, is what you know, what it does for the consumer. That's why people buy things. So thanks for sharing it all with us on the Gutsy Matters podcast. That's been a pleasure. You guys always ask really good questions, and you know, we always have a really good discussion. So thank you for the opportunity to come and come and share it with you. Our pleasure. Thanks, Jeff, and good luck. If you've enjoyed this conversation and know people who'd be interested in knowing more about this topic, then show them you care and send them the link to this podcast. To keep up with our Gutsy Matters conversations, subscribe and share with your friends. For extras, follow Stored Naturally on Facebook and Instagram. Gutsy Matters podcast is brought to you by Stored Naturally. We are the creators of the all-natural hemp fresh produce enhancer, for longer-lasting and healthier fresh food kept in the fridge. Available at storednaturally.com.